The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. It's time for Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. Here's your host, Brian Noonan, with Brandon Snide. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness, I made uh, Matt play both just so I could be introduced twice because I'm an egomaniac. It is WTMJ Nights, 855-616-1620. is how you get involved on the WTMJ Talk and Text Line. And as he has done all season... We are joined by our Packers insider, the man who you hear doing sports every morning on WTMJ Morning News. You read all his extra points on WTMJ.com. The man who up until the fourth quarter was probably so giddy he couldn't control himself last week. And then it all came crashing down. Joining us for the Packers postmortem, Brandon Snide is here. Hello, Brandon. Good evening, Brian. You know what? And you're right. I was giddy. And then in the back of my mind, man, I get an extra week with Brian. This is going to be awesome. We get to, we get to talk more about these Packers. Like, this, is, this is awesome. And then, and then, like, the last five minutes happened. And, well, yeah. here we are, postmortem. I was watching the game, and I was thinking the same thing. Oh, we're go- oh this is getting – all the things that we said at the beginning of the season could never happen are happening. <laughs> Things are looking good. Your statement from last week, after the Packers win in San Francisco, they'll only be one game away from the Super Bowl. I'm like, oh, and I'm buying into it. And then the fourth quarter starts, and things start turning around. And the defense – it. now everybody everybody was looking at the, the, the interception in the last 40 seconds. But there was a lot that led up to being in that position. And a lot of it, I thought, again, was the defense, which – since Saturday, has the, things have changed drastically. Where did you think? And, and let's let's uh, say we both we both can agree, and I think everybody can agree. The Packers this year far exceeded expectations. So all all sure. praise to the Packers. Things they they looked great. The young team coalesced in the second half. Lafleur did a great job getting them getting them on this run, playing great ball to the end. So all of that being said and believed, we still got to look at this last game. Where do you where do you think it went wrong in the fourth quarter? You know, I don't necessarily blame specific group, uh, Brian. You know, I look at it as it's a young Packers team. We, you know, we beat the dead horse already, the youngest in the NFL, the youngest to make the playoffs. Um, and I just look at it as a a team that learned a tough lesson and they just didn't make plays. And I know that sounds like a cliche answer, but you look over the course of the game, Brian, you're talking the last five or six minutes of that fourth quarter probably wouldn't have mattered if they just made it like two or three plays. If Darnell Savage intercepts that ball in the, I believe that was the first quarter. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's seven points right there, right? If Keyshawn Nixon catches that interception, I believe that's in the third quarter that's at least three points because they're already in field goal range wherever he catches the ball. So uh, Jordan Love, receptions. the first one was bad. The second one was kind of a prayer. That was, was a bad throw. Uh, the defense allowing 
you know, San Francisco, really keeping them in check almost all game. I talked about the drop interceptions, but they kept them in check for the most part. Right. Brock Purdy never looked comfortable at all. You know, the special teams made a blocked field goal. They returned a kick almost to the end zone. You know, but for the most part, when, it, when they needed it, when they really needed it, got inside the red zone three times and they got six points. I mean, that's to me, that's not necessarily – well, something happened to where they lost the game. The Packers were the better team. I've watched the game twice now against my own will. Um, <laughs> if you watch it, you know, I remember watching it live, and then I'm thinking, like, man, we're playing, like, really good. And then I rewatched yeah. it, and I'm like, well, we, play, we actually played better than I thought on Saturday, than I initially thought. It, in every phase, we were the better team. We just, when those plays happen. San Francisco didn't drop those interceptions. You know what I mean? They didn't. They yeah. didn't. Uh, they got in the red zone. They punched the ball in. Um, it was a young team that learned a hard lesson. But I tell you right so, now, <laughs> San Francisco is leaning back in their chair, thinking, "Woof, we got away with one because uh, the Packers were the better team, and they know." Yeah, it was. It was definitely the Packers. The you know the Packers were shining throughout the game. Uh, so as, as you point that out, Brandon, do you think? This is this sounds more like just a seasoning issue rather than a talent or execution issue. It's the the execution will come oh, yeah. with the seasoning for next year. Oh, 100 percent, Brian. Aaron, listen, Aaron Rodgers had to learn in, in two thousand and nine when they scored forty five points against the Cardinals, and they had that terrible fumble, you know, where he fumbled it and it was returned for a touchdown. Um, you know, he he learned. You know, then, you know, how to protect the football uh, in a certain way that, that elevates his play. And Jordan Love's going to have the same lesson. It's a tough lesson, especially because when you thought they were the better team. But Jordan Love probably shouldn't have been in that position to have a go-ahead, you know, drive or, or, or tying drive at the end of the fourth quarter. The Packers should have – it should have been a three-score game in the fourth quarter if they make two or three of those plays that you and I talked about it. But it's 100%. Uh, learning, you know, experience. I mean, this is the unfortunate reality of sports and about life. Like you, you got to go through things and, and in order to, to learn when you go, you know, there next year and, and understand that if Jordan Love step back a year from now, he's going to throw the ball out of bounds and he's not going to go across his body in the middle of the field. You know, it sucks because if they won Saturday, which, you and I, I think most people would agree that they should have. They probably beat Detroit, in my opinion. I mean, and that's what sucks about it because you're like, yeah. man, yeah, you can never say we'll be back or you know we'll be okay. Never know, but you know, with the, the with the nucleus, with the regime, you know, on the same page as everybody and the coaching staff, a new defensive coordinator is going to be coming in. Like you, you have a good feeling they'll be back. They're literally probably two or three plays away from going to Detroit, and I think. I think Detroit wanted nothing to do with Green Bay. Probably not. I'm never a big proponent of saying, well, you know, we didn't, they got farther than we thought and things were better. But in this case, it's really true when you look at this Packers team. And, yeah. and again, like you said, we've beaten it all season, but it does bear repeating. You've got a bunch of guys who had never, never played before in, in the pros, the youngest roster. And, yeah, they they lost the other day and they ended their run, but I think I think it is important for people to remember a lot of good came out of this season and you know, it did go much farther and gave everybody a ride that nobody was expecting in September. 
No, you're 100% right, Brian. I mean, I just go back to October when they're 2-5. and five. They didn't get a first down in, in that. October 29th, this is where they, how far they've come. October 29th, they're playing at home against Minnesota. They got their first down of the game before halftime. <laughs> in it before halftime. It's hard to believe. They got their they were two and five. I mean, at, yeah. nobody, you and I were, you and I had a little bit of the optimism. We said if they could string together a few of these wins, um, they never did until obviously Thanksgiving. Um, but I mean, you got to look at the, the, the totality of the season. I mean, they, they were injured all year. I mean, you lose your starting left tackle week one. Aaron Jones missed so many weeks. Christian Watson missed so many weeks. The back end of the secondary was hurt all year. Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes. They just weren't healthy, and it was such a marvelous job by everyone. Matt LaFleur, Jordan Love, all the assistant coaches. Even give Joe Barry credit. I know he's not the Packers coordinator for defense anymore, but, I mean, that last month of the season, they were playing some of their best ball. And, yeah, it you was, know, it's it hurts when it ends abruptly like that because it felt like, man, it was such a fun team to watch, Brian. That's the other thing about it. Like, yeah, they were just fun. You, you were like, it's like, I don't want to sound dramatic, but you're like watching your kids grow up before your own eyes. Like, you're like, holy cow. Like, I remember six months ago, you couldn't complete a pass. And now we're two plays away from going to the NFC championship game. It's just, it was fun to watch them grow up this year. I agree. Especially when you're watching, when you watch Jordan Love, who at some point, I I can't remember exactly where it was, started to look like instead of the (laughs) nervous rookie, technically, He started to look like a guy who'd been playing in the uh, starting for a long time. He seemed very comfortable. Uh, Brandon's not yeah, here you... as he has been all season. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Brandon, I want you to give us the biggest positives as you look toward next year. And then we want to talk a little bit about what the dismissal of Joe Barry is going to mean for the defense going forward. Brandon Snyder is here. You can hear him every morning on Wisconsin's Morning News doing the sports and read him on WTMJ.com. More after this. It's WTMJ Nights. Brian Noonan, we are joined, as we have been all season, uh, by Brandon Snide. You hear him doing sports in the mornings on Wisconsin's Morning News. Brandon, it has been, it's been a fun season talking to you. It's been, a, it's been great. Your insights have been terrific. Uh, before, but I want to warn you, before we let you go, Matt uh, had a conspiracy theory that he, <laughs> he posited a few weeks ago. And we have that clip. But first, I want, all right, let's look ahead because Packer seasons came to an end, but a lot of good things to build on. What are, what are your biggest building blocks for the Packers next year? Uh, well, I think the first one, Brian, is, I mean, you kind of talked about it before we went into break. Uh, you found, well, I shouldn't say you found, you, you drafted him, but you, you have your answer at the quarterback position for the next decade. And I think I think that's all you can if, – if that's all you got this season, I think that would be a success. And obviously there's more to be proud of and happy for. But Jordan Love, second in the NFL in touchdown passes, over 4,000 yards. His completion percentage was right around 60%. I mean – and I don't think folks realize how special of a season he had. And I know I'm a big Jordan Love fan. He had, he had over 4,100 passing yards, Brian, and not one Packers receiver went over 1,000 yards. So what does that tell you? He's spreading it out everywhere. He's spreading it out everywhere, and a lot of those guys were hurt. Christian Watson was yeah. down for a handful of weeks. Uh, Luke Musgrave, the starting tight end, the second-round draft pick, 
he was out for uh, a handful of weeks. You know, you missed uh, Jaden Reed a couple weeks here and there, Dontavian Wicks a couple weeks here, and Love never missed a beat. And, and, the, and the crazy thing is, is he really struggled in October. If you take, if he has a decent, let's say a average October, Brian, he probably would have been at 5,000 passing yards this year. Like, you know, that's crazy to me, you know, to think in year one of starting and everybody's like, well, he's been in the system. I mean, he should know the pull. Well, of course he, he knows the plays, but it doesn't mean he can go out and execute at a high level. And he's been able to do that. So that's my first one. I mean, your franchise quarterback is set according to Ian Rappaport, and Adam Schefter, he, he's expected to sign a contract in May. He can't sign it until May because he signed one last year. He can't sign two in one year for okay. the same player. So that's number one. Number two is Matt LaFleur. A lot of people, he won 13 games in a row for three years in a row, Brian, and never won coach of the year. Nobody ever really gave him any credit because he said, well, you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Devontae Adams, so you should be able to win. Well, Mike McCarthy couldn't do it, so the Matt LaFleur came in and did it. And then when Aaron Rodgers got traded, they said, well, well we're going to really see what Matt LaFleur can do. The youngest team to the playoffs, so with the best team, in the National Football League, we, like we talked about for the open of the, the show, should have probably won that game. So Matt LaFleur showed you that he can coach. He showed you that he has the ability to, to take a young team under his wing and, and lead them. And my last one is Brian Gutekinds. I mean, you talk about a draft class. 20, yeah. 2023 will go down as maybe the best in like a decade. Like, and, and, and that's not even being like dramatic. Like everybody he drafted – a role this year. I mean, from Lucas Van Ness all the way to Carrington Valentine, who was a seventh round draft pick who started on Saturday in the divisional round. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was, Brian Gudikins was phenomenal. And you can even go back to 2022 uh, draft class. It was really good as well. And his biggest draft class that's been criticized is 2020, Brian. And now you just found your franchise quarterback in that 2020 draft class. So he has been doing a really good job. I trust him going forward. So that's a positive. The three-headed monster, Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur coaching, uh, and Brian Gutekinds being able to, to find these personnel you know, through the draft or free agency or trade. So they, those, those three are my biggest takeaways. That's a three-headed monster a lot of teams would be uh, very, very envious of and happy oh, to have sure. on their own thing. Real quick, do you think they're going to bring in uh, – the Packers faced a lot of pressure defenses this year, and Matt LaFleur after every – after. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facing those defenses was always very complimentary of that style of play. Do you think the new defensive coordinator is going to be somebody who is known for that kind of uh, scheme? Yeah, I think it's going to be a point of emphasis for not only Matt LaFleur, but I think it's also going to be a point of emphasis for uh, for the players because I don't think they like playing back. I don't think they like you know playing soft coverage on third and five. Um, right. And as a player on defense, you don't want you – know, no player on defense is going to be okay with that. They want to they wanna bull rush the heck out of you and get to the get to the point of attack. So I think you are going to see that. Look, I, I gave you my positive as Matt LaFleur being in one of the positives. Like, it turns right around on him, Brian, to be like, this is probably one of the biggest decisions he's had to make in quite some time. Maybe, like, not to sound too dramatic, like maybe as a co- from a coaching standpoint, this might be the most important hire he's ever made because you – you got to get this one right. You got you got the last you got the last one wrong. You know you, it took you uh, the special teams coordinator in 2019, Sean uh, Menenga. You know, like he struggled to identify assistant coaches. This is a big deal because that's a lot of investment on that side of the ball. 
right. a lot of high draft picks. Eight first-rounders since 2016. I mean, they've invested heavily, you know, from a draft standpoint and financial standpoint to make that team, make that side of the team good. They were supposed to be the ones that Jordan Love was going to be able to lean on, and they haven't been able to do that all year. You know, the offense has really picked it up. Defense played good in spurts, but that's a team, that's a unit where I think LaFleur is going to go out and get somebody that's number one, aggressive, and number two, open to adjustments. If there's a, you're coming to play the Minnesota Vikings, you know, they got Justin Jefferson, let's shut him down, close him out, yeah. and make somebody else beat you. So I think that's where, where he's going to go to in the direction for uh, 2024. All right, let's get to this. Matt, uh, why don't you jump in and tell Brandon your conspiracy theory. This, As Uh-oh. I said, Brandon, Matt brought this up a few weeks ago. You know, he's he's uh, he also thinks uh, Oswald acted uh, alone. And I don't know. <laughs> so this was on December the 6th, the week okay. after Green Bay beat Kansas City. Sure. The Swifties are getting to a point where it's like, and as an NFL guy, I'm just waiting until the Chiefs make the Super Bowl. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. I'm sorry. And we see what happens there because that's the ultimate climax. You have the Super Bowl in the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas. Right. And you're bringing in this outside audience that otherwise probably wouldn't be engaged to the Super Bowl. December the 6th. We'll see what happens on Sunday. We're getting closer and closer to reality. Brandon, where do you fall yeah, in the I, NFL? Uh, really, really wanted Kansas City and Taylor Swift in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, you know, Brian, I would call it crazy. And I would say, Matt, no, you take your tinfoil hat off and uh, you're wrong. But I will say this. Matt could be on to something. Because if you ever watch a Chiefs game, Brian, and you wonder, like, how did they get that call? How did Tyler Bass miss a field goal that bad home? <laughs> right. The NFL, the NFL's numbers when the Chiefs play are astronomical. I mean, they're massive. It, it, it's not shocking. I, I would say it would be worse if she was performing in it than it might be even, uh, which I think they offered her, actually, um, and she turned it down. But I think it would be even more so. But, I mean, I can see it. The Chiefs haven't been good all year. Like, they haven't been a really good team all year. And now, all of a sudden... Yeah, all right. Well, home? Listen, I don't know. You're giving credence to his uh, conspiracies, Brandon. I don't know if that's healthy. But listen, I want to thank win, you for if they win if if they win Sunday, then I'm fully buying into it. <laughs> Man, I want to thank you for being <laughs> with us all season. It has been it has been a lot of fun talking to you and through the through the downs and then the ups because it was that's that's how the season went. But thank you very much. Everybody, you gotta listen to Brandon Snide every morning on Wisconsin's Morning News and read all his stuff on WTMJ.com. And Brandon, I know we will talk before uh before training camp. Brian, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's been one of my favorite things to do all year long. I love calling into a show that I used to produce. I, I appreciate you beyond words. I appreciate Matt. I appreciate Tommy. A heck of a year, a couple plays away, but maybe next year we'll get there. But it has been a terrific year, and as always, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Thank you, Brandon. All right, let's do this, and it's news time on WTMJ Nights. It's Brian Noonan, WTMJ Nights. Oh, my goodness. We're here till 8 o'clock. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Dom Catronio. Our thanks again to Brandon Snide for jumping in. All right, you must feel good, Matt. Brandon has... Uh, 
giving a little bit of credence to your conspiracy theory for the Super Bowl. So that's got to bolster your your confidence. I'm confident, but if things don't go the right way on Sunday, that holds negative weight. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. So you got you got to hope that it goes the way uh, to to cement your theory. You need a certain outcome. I had a counter now, theory at the end of that segment, and uh, so I think I'm in the green either way. So we'll have to see what happens. If you are curious about what I had to say, December sixth, WTMJ.com, WTMJ Nights, it's all there. It's all there. Uh, do you think that uh, now that? Uh, Travis Kelsey's brother has decided to, uh, Jason has uh, decided to become uh, a focal point of celebrations during his brother's games. Do you think that may sway the NFL? Because people seemed a little, yes. I thought he was having a good time. I loved it. Because well, last year we had Donna Kelsey in opposite camps with Jason right. playing in the game as well. Yeah. This year, if the Chiefs win, we get to see the entire Kelsey Swift camp on one side of the field. That's right. Dad will come in and everybody will be there. The brothers. Oh, it'll be. It'll and they still get Donna at the Super Bowl. She played a vital role last year. She did a great job. They're going to want her back in Vegas this year. Well, we'll, we'll see how it works out for them. Uh, I... I was, of course, uh, doing sports-related things today because, as you know, Matt, uh, I have been doing a long-term fill-in as a PE teacher since uh, November. And uh, off the air, you you always ask because you're <laughs> you're curious about my t- trials and travails dealing with the uh, kindergarten through fifth graders as I try to uh, continue to instill their love of physical fitness. Which, as you know, I am, oh boy, I'm the poster boy for physical fitness. <laughs> so, my, my biggest goal, and I think this is the goal of all teachers, but especially phys ed teachers, and please, uh, don't ever call them gym teachers, because, oh, I, I didn't know this. I didn't know um, until recently that they are... Physical education teachers get very upset if you call them gym teachers. It kind of minimizes what they do, and I, I, I get it. Now that I've now that I've done it, I get it. Um, so, my whole goal has been to keep kids from getting hurt because kids are, oh, how do I put this delicately? Stupid. Kids are stupid, and uh, they run into things. They run into each other. I've said, don't run into the wall. More than I ever thought I would have to say in my life. Because, to be honest, I didn't think I'd ever have to say it in my life. But I have to tell them, don't run into the wall. Uh, the other day I was telling you, Matt, that I pumped up, uh, I inflated about 60 basketballs. It was very exciting. What's the most basketballs you ever inflated in one sitting? Two, maybe? Two. Pfft, you're a piker. I got it. I take care of 60 basketballs. <laughs> I'm like I'm like the cool hand Luke of basketball. Is the PA, are all the PSIs correct? Uh you know what? I go by feel. Okay. Because I've I you know, I've handled basketballs in the past. I know I know how a basketball should feel. They may be overinflated. There may be a broken nose or two starting next week, but you know, I want my basketball to come off that court hard. Bam, bam, bam. I don't want, you know, you've played with a basketball that's underinflated. No good. It's the I'm worst so feeling in the world. Check. Yeah, it's it's horrible. 
So these are all in flare. These are ready to go with my big uh, compressor. Took me about 25 minutes. Anyway, so today, this week, last week we finished our throwing unit where we were teaching kids about the, the correct form for throwing and the correct forms for catching, either diamond or pinky. I don't know what you prefer, Matt, when you're catching something, uh, if you go diamond or pinky, but uh, taught them all that. And then, so this week we're kind of in the middle. We're going to start basketball next week. So we were doing just some tagging games and things like that. And I had the fifth grade class in, and we had done their laps. You know, that's how he's... Here's another thing. Uh, Matt, you've run laps before, right? Oh, yeah. Sure you have. Uh, have you ever run into people while you were doing laps? You're supposed to be going the same direction. Yeah, it's a circle. It's not NASCAR, which is still the same direction in an oval, but uh, you're not. You're, there's no rubbing is racing when you're just doing laps to warm up for P.E. These kids are diving onto each other. They're knocking each other over. They're falling. It's so... And this is every grade, from kindergarten to fifth. Today I instituted a two-lane system during laps. Do you have torches uh, in the gym, like those air marshals who direct the plane out of the gate? Uh, in one class, we almost did, because I was doing this, and then uh, some of the kids from the structure room push in, and their paraeducator was in there with me. And so that was the class that I initially instituted this slow-lane next to the cones on the inside if you want to run fast you run on the outside because there's some kids who want to you know they want to prove that they're speedy and they've got endurance but they don't have endurance but they're fast and they're plowing over other kids so we get we get our laps done and we're playing fruit tag now don't don't at me don't cancel me it's not a disparaging thing um there's like five different color yarn balls and those are fruits so blueberries red apples green apples bananas etc and each i give them about a minute and a half and then i switch whatever fruit is going to be tagging when you tag somebody who's not uh, they have to sit down and hold their fruit over their head it's a very exciting game matt i don't know if you've ever bet on we gotta broadcast that oh listen if you're ever looking for practice uh, i know you're putting together reels for your play-by-play stuff this is uh this is great. So you should come down. You could you could be the first guy <laughs> broadcasting fruit tag and maybe you end up on the Ocho right after the dodgeball. <laughs> that would be fun. So oh there's somebody Brian's school must be huge. I don't think my elementary school, middle school, and high school owned a combined sixty basketballs. I'm going to tell you that about thirty of those basketballs are mini basketballs. So Full disclosure, about 30 full-size basketballs and 30 mini basketballs. Still 60 total. All right. So, yeah, Matt, if, you ever wanna, if you're ever looking for something to do, if you're like, listen, I've done football and soccer and basketball and baseball. I've called all the major sports. I need to set myself apart in this industry. Is there anything else? Yes. You could come and you could call a game of uh, fruit tag. Uh, if you want to play a little see you later alligator. You could do that. Um, I could have you call a game of Oscar the Grouch. A lot going on. A lot going on in PE. Uh, so we're playing fruit tag, and one of the fifth graders is a really good athlete. But he's also, uh, 
Well, everybody looks to him. He, he's a leader, but not always in the best way. You know what I mean? He's uh, kind of a behavior issue sometimes, and uh, we've had our ups and downs, but I, he and I now have a, a, a little detente working, and I've figured, out, I've figured out the best way to work with him and get things done. So we're playing fruit tag, and I'm standing. It's Our gym is like in most elementary schools. It's also, you know, the lunchroom, and it's where they have assembly, so there's a stage. The stage is at the front of the gym. And I'm standing with my back against the stage watching the fifth graders play fruit tag. And this kid comes up to my left about, I don't know, six, seven feet away from me. And he's back where, uh, you know, there's Matt, you, well, you'll know the rules when I brief you on it. You'll have to, you'll have to be up on the rules for your broadcast. But, uh, as they're playing tag, they can't come past a certain line because then you're running into the stage you're running into Mr. Noonan that's not good uh well he came he came back and he was back there and he was trying to avoid a tag when he either twisted wrong or stepped back wrong and stepped on something and all of a sudden i hear this crash and he's down and he had knocked something over and my first response is always oh come on and i start walking over and i'm like what are you doing? What's going? And I see now this is a kid who would not show pain in front of his classmates for any reason. And I could see he is in horrible pain. He can't he's holding his um he's holding his right arm to his body and he's like he just or his left arm. He's like he, he's wincing, he's just laying there and I'm like, "Okay, what's going on?" He goes, my arm, I can't move my arm. And I'm like, Phew. and of course now some of his buddies are swarming around him. I'm like, everybody get back. Go sit over there. And I'm like, tell, tell me again, what happened? I can't move my arm. I'm like, okay. Now, you know, mostly it's been when I had to send kids to the nurse, it's, you know, kids pretending they have a stomach ache and they want an ice cube. Uh, my eye hurts. I've heard everything. Oh, Mr. Noonan, two weeks ago I fell and my knee hurts. So, But this now I can see is a real injury. And I'm like, well, can you can you stand up? And he's like, I, I don't know, I can't move this side. So I grabbed this, uh, you know, he grabbed my hand. We got him up. He's still clutching his one arm to his body. Goes down there. It turns out all day uh, they were waiting to, for somebody to come pick him up but he still couldn't move his arm so i think he either dislocated his shoulder or separated his shoulder or something and this is a kid who boxes and does all kinds of stuff and i'm i was worried about him obviously and i'm worried about him still but i used it as a t i'm like this is why i tell you guys to stop diving on the floor like lunatics and slamming into things you know, I always tell you somebody's going to get hurt, and now look, he got hurt. And they just look at me like, oh, I don't know, okay. <laughs> so that was that was my big day at school, trying to not, not panic, too. And also my go-to in stressful situations is usually profanity. That wouldn't work too well. Yeah, you can't, you can't swear a lot in grade school, especially as the teacher. Even though in my head I'm like, GD, what the F is going on? I don't know. Uh, none of that came out of my mouth. 
But uh, yeah, so the, see, Matt, the kids kids don't listen. That's the point of this story. Dad, yeah, kids, dad, yeah, kids. I know I sound like a thousand-year-old man, but once you see the kid who's like the alpha of fifth grade writhing on the floor, you're like, see, I there's every it took every ounce of my self-control to go this is why i told you not to do this and now you're hurt now you can't move your arm but i didn't say any of that i kept going back and checking on him and you know seeing what's happened so you're not missing i i don't know when you come down for when you come down to do your uh, location scouting for fruit tag we're going to have to maybe maybe you can make some suggestions for protective gear or stuff like that. We may have to go with like a lacrosse helmet and shoulder pads. Based on the rate that these fifth graders are playing, they might need to be wearing goalie gear. Yeah, it's even though it's a yarn ball, it's literally not like a ball of yarn that you would buy. One of those fluffy like swoosh scoosh balls or whatever. We're gonna you know, have to it's... get the injured fifth grader a shoulder harness. Yeah, he's gonna have to start wearing uh, you know something. I like the harness idea. You know, like they do with the quarterbacks. Uh, get him a flak jacket. Yeah, get him one of those nice thick ones that they used to wear in the 1980s. There you go. I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna have to put in a requisition for all kinds of protective gear because I'm sending kids. I'm sending kids to the nurse like she's earning money by the head. You know, like I'm getting a cut of her salary. That's how much. If the nurse had a nickel for how many students came in, how rich would she be? If she got how much? A nickel for every. Every student that came in, I would have made her forty-eight bucks this week. That's a lot of kids. It's a lot of nickels. Because I'm telling you, Matt, the minute a child crosses the doorway into school, it turns into a mash unit. They're like, oh, my leg hurts, my eye hurts, I have a hemorrhage, I, I've got a tumor. You don't have a tumor. And then I always say, did you tell your mom, or you tell your grown-ups? No. I go, well, they're right there. Why don't you hurry up and tell them before they leave? Tell them how sick you are. No. Okay. Stop it. All right. Well, that was, that was my, that was added to the stress of my day. But a stress reliever has come. I am very excited about this. I could be in the minority. A movie has, is being remade. I will tell you what it is and we can discuss on the other side. It's WTMJ Nights. Oh, my goodness. We are here until 8 o'clock, and then it's Brewers Weekly with Dominic Catronio. I'm very excited about this. Matt, have you ever seen uh, the movie Roadhouse? I have not. That's another one to add onto my list. Oh, my gosh. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying I know Roadhouse, the original from 1989, starring Patrick Swayze and Sam Elliott, is not, uh, not the best movie ever made, but... It's one of those movies, and you, I'm, I know everybody has one, and if you want to toss yours in fast, 855-616-1620, a movie that no matter when you see it on TV, you stop and watch it. Roadhouse is that, for, that one of those for me. And it is, it is mindless. It is ridiculous. Matt, the premise is um, Patrick Swayze is a cooler. He's not a bouncer. He's the cooler. He's like above. The, he's the he's the main security guy, and he trains the bouncers. And he is hired away to go work in Missouri at the Double Deuce, 
the Double Deuce used to be a nice club. And uh, then some unsavory elements came in, and it's turned into a place where they're mopping up the blood every night. And the owner comes, and he he hires... Uh, he hires Patrick Swayze, and he's ready to go. Uh, he comes in, and of course, being a small town, there's a small town bad guy that is already, oh boy, he's he's not going to put up with Patrick Swayze coming in and straightening things out. Sam Elliott, also a cooler, the mentor of Patrick Swayze. So it's wild. Well, turns out they are remaking Roadhouse. And all I'm seeing on social media is people complaining. Why are they remaking Roadhouse? Because it's awesome. Duh. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to star in this. They also have Conor McGregor, who is making his feature debut. He's a bad guy. Um, now it's uh, now the character uh, was a UFC fighter, and he is hired to go to this roadhouse in the Florida Keys to clean it up. But again, being a small town, things are done a little bit different there. And um, the new trailer just came out today. I am I could not be more jazzed. My lizard brain cannot wait to watch uh, the brand new roadhouse, even though the director is very upset because he was told it was going to theaters and now it's just going to Amazon Prime, which makes me very, very happy. All right, listen, time is up. We we don't have time to come in and tell stories about separated shoulders and Roadhouse. We got to get to we got to get out of the way because Dom Catronio is coming up with Brewers Weekly on the other side of the news. Thank you very much. We will talk again next week. Have a wonderful weekend, Matt. Thank you very much for all your help. I hope uh, I hope you get the evidence you need to bolster your conspiracy theory this weekend and we will uh, we will figure it out if you did next week have a great night news is next it's wtmj nights